Our text today comes from the Gospel of Luke and tells of Jesus teaching the disciples to pray. From the 11th chapter, beginning with the first verse, he was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A-A-B-A, our mother, our father, red and yellow and blue. Hypothesis, experiment, evaluation. All disciplines and systems in our world have structures and rules which help define them and give them shape and context. How do we know if a song we're listening to is jazz? Well, if it's got syncopated rhythm, which just means the accentuation of offbeats, which sometimes we don't know how to do very well, and bluesy notes, which might sound dissonant and awkward to some of our ears, you might be listening to jazz. But the thing that really indicates that you've got jazz pulled up on Spotify is that improvisation is a key part of what the players are doing. And for a lot of people, maybe even for you, the improvisation is just the thing that makes jazz terrifying and unlistenable. This same improvisation might be the thing that makes prayer similarly terrifying for you. When we asked for questions on theology and church life for this summer sermon series, some of you asked about prayer. What is it? How do we do it? Why are prayers unanswered? I find that many of us in progressive church space don't quite know what to do with the idea of prayer. We hem and haw when someone asks for a prayer of blessing or for grace to be spoken before dinner. Maybe some of us haven't unpacked and processed the toxic theologies around prayer from our previous traditions. Maybe some of us are more comfortable with the quiet and methodical recitation of the rosary from our Catholic backgrounds. Maybe some of us were raised in secular contexts and think that prayer is a whole bunch of superstitious nonsense. Whatever the case may be, I think we all have space to grow and be challenged in our understandings of prayer and how we can engage in this ancient and mysterious spiritual practice. Lucky for you, you've got the woman who was raised as a charismatic who's going to be teaching you how to pray today. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. The renowned theologian Henri Nouwen has said in his book, The Way of the Heart, that prayer is difficult for modern people to do because we like to focus so much on the work of our brains and our intellect. We prefer to think about God and philosophize about who God is. Nowen states, quote, thinking about God makes God into a subject that needs to be scrutinized or analyzed, end quote. This thinking about God puts God into the role of yet another subject to be mastered in an academic way, rather than life itself with which to be in relationship. When we place God in that distant space, we separate ourselves from the truth that God lives and dwells within us. 
And that actually separates us from our own hearts and bodies when we forget that. Prayer, Nowen proposes, is actually the means of connection with the source of all life. And that communication and intentionality should be something that comes from the heart and the soul, not the head. I find the words of Rabbi Bradley Artson about what prayer is to be revealing, and they helped me to dig in deeper to what Nowen introduced. There's a long quote, but bear with me. Artson says, prayer is nearly ubiquitous, almost a synonym for being human. Wherever people are found, there you will find someone reaching out to the oneness, the cosmos, the divine, the mystery, through words, meditation, movement, offerings, renunciations, charity, good deeds, protest, dance, incense, and a host of other ways, human beings from remote antiquity have stretched to create connections beyond themselves to something larger, someone more fundamental." End quote. This stretching, this connection, this yearning for relationship is what prayer is about. Jesus' disciples were confused just like we are about what prayer could or should be. And we heard earlier the scripture from the gospel according to Luke, the story about the disciples asking Jesus how to pray. I think Jesus' answer to them and what we know now and recite as the Lord's Prayer has a framework for us to learn from that allows for the kind of improvisation that we so often shy away from. Just like our musicians here have a common chart in front of them that outlines the time signature and key and the changes that make up the song they're playing, but within which they play and improvise and make the song new again, Jesus has given us a framework for the pieces that can make up a daily prayer. This is not a required guide of the right way in which you have to pray all the time. Rather, it's a helpful tool for how to learn how to pray, how to build a spiritual practice of prayer, and how to lean into the connection with your heart, the heart of God, and the heart of your neighbor. Let's take a look at the outline that Jesus gave to his disciples and think about how we might apply this framework to our contexts and prayers today. First, Jesus prays this, Father, hallowed be your name. Here at FCC, we say, our mother, our father, as a way to remind ourselves of the non-gendered nature of God and to affirm the feminine in the divine. But essentially what Jesus is doing is directing his prayer, his intention toward God. We know that we call God by many names, but the important part of this piece is that we are calling our attention to God. I like to start my prayers by saying, spirit of life, Pastor Heather starts many of hers by calling out, holy and loving and gracious God. Others pray directly to Lord Jesus Christ. How we call God, how we name her, how we identify the spirit that dwells in and among us is a critical part of orienting ourselves in prayer. So, you all have tasks to do in this sermon, so I just want you to get ready for that. There, <laughs> there are sheets of paper on the other side of the Dido and Aeneas uh, um, advertisement in your bulletin. You have a whole page that says jazz doodle page or space. You're going to use this. So I want you to take a moment right now to think about how you name God. What name is meaningful to you today? Take out that paper and write that name down there. What are you going to call God today? What, what part of God are you bringing your attention to in this space today? Take a moment, write that down.
After addressing God, Jesus says, your kingdom come. What's he doing with that phrase? Using Rabbi Artson's thoughts again, this part of the prayer is about re-centering ourselves with God at the core. This is about bringing ourselves into alignment with all of the things that are right and good in God's eyes. This is about dwelling on beauty and connection and relationship and justice. This is about reorienting our ways of being to be centered around love. As we shift our perspectives to be concerned again with the things that concern God, we are opening ourselves up to the largeness of humanity, the interconnectedness of all things, the ways in which our actions affect each other. We're setting our intentions again on what this human life is all about, acknowledging our interdependence of one another and with the earth and the forces that would want us to keep apart from God and others. This kingdom mentality requires us to think about the ways in which God would set up society and community, and it asks us to acknowledge how we've strayed from that. So, here's your next jazz doodle space task. Think about the name you've given God, what you're calling God in this moment, there on your jazz doodle space, and connect in your heart with the things that might be at the center of God's heart. What are those pieces of God's kingdom that are floating to the top for you? Take a moment, write those things down. After the radical recentering, Jesus says, Give us each day our daily bread. Jesus is hearkening back in the Jewish mind to the story of God providing exactly what the Israelites needed to eat while wandering in the desert after the exodus from slavery. If you'll remember, the manna that came from heaven was only good for that one day. It appeared every day, but if you tried to hoard it or save it for tomorrow, it got icky and gross and needed to be thrown out. I actually think that this part of the prayer might be the most difficult for us Americans. We are so used to the ideas of self-reliance and independence and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps that we tend to hoard our resources instead of, instead of trusting in God and our communities to make sure that we have all that we need for each day. I know this makes us uncomfortable and squirm in our pews, but the radical nature of Jesus' prayer is that after recentering us around the kingdom of God and how God might structure society, Jesus challenges us to be connected to God and our neighbor and ourselves in how we collect and use our resources. So, think about the things that you've written down before, how you've named God, and what you've identified as being a part of God's vision for the world, and now name the thing that you need from God to fully commit to being a part of that vision. Maybe that's patience for each day. Maybe it's wisdom for how to use your resources. Maybe you are in need of literal bread for each day to sustain your work in the world. Allow yourself to be vulnerable as you name what you are in need of. Write that thing down. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Forgiveness is hard, folks. I know that I don't need to tell you that. It's hard when we are very aware of the things that we need to forgive other people for, but when that work seems like just the most painful thing that could ever be asked of us. 
It's hard when we are unable to forgive ourselves for the ways in which we know that we have screwed up. And maybe that's what Jesus is asking us to confront. If we ask God to forgive us and we know that God is faithful to be gracious and generous, maybe then we can practice being gracious and generous to ourselves. Maybe we can acknowledge the flaws and shortcomings in our community and name them and let them go without dwelling in shame. For instance, we do this Jazz Sunday every year, some years without naming those who we are indebted to for the style and the struggles that have created the very art form. I don't say this to shame us, but only to name that we exist in a world where often white folks use things created by black folks and don't acknowledge the pain that led to those creations. And sometimes we even profit from those creations without paying black creators for their work. So, as we ask God to forgive us, we are called into naming and acknowledging the ways in which we have failed our neighbors, failed ourselves, failed God's kingdom, around which we're working to reorient ourselves. Recognizing and calling out those failures is hard. Forgiving ourselves, asking for forgiveness from others, and forgiving those who have exploited and failed us, well, that's the work of prayer because prayer works to expand our connectivity to ourselves and others. Take this moment to write down the things that are stirring in your heart around forgiveness right now. Name the person or the institution that you need to forgive. Or write your own name and acknowledge how you need to forgive yourself. Or maybe you want to note the thing for which you need to ask for forgiveness. The last phrase in Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer is, and do not bring us to the time of trial. Often translated as the more familiar, lead us not into temptation, scholars and preachers and even popes have been stumped and challenged by this phrase. Of course, we do not want to believe that God leads us or brings us to trials or temptations. So we try to talk away this phrase as a mistranslation or a later addition into the text. One interpreter I read connected this temptation with the ways in which Jesus was tempted in the desert, tempted to use his humanly divine power to control the earth, to govern a nation, and even to cheat death. We might see these things as admirable. However, just like Gandalf says to Frodo in The Lord of the Rings, as Frodo tempts him with the ring, don't tempt me, Frodo. I dare not take it, not even to keep it safe. Understand, Frodo, I would use this ring from a desire to do good, but through me it would wield a power too great and terrible to imagine. Sometimes the greatest tests that come to us have to do with access to power that we would want to yield for good, but that have the ability to overcome and corrupt us. Maybe for our purposes today of finding a model for prayer that takes us into our hearts, we can hear this phrase as, keep us safe from ourselves and help us to know what power is ours to take on. This stretches us to acknowledge our limits and our boundaries, to recognize that some roles are not ours to play. So think about that. Write down that thing that for you is a temptation to use power in a way that could corrupt your very soul.
This prayer stuff is deep heart work. It's deep reflective work. It's work that requires honesty and the voices of our community. This prayer isn't namby-pamby, pie in the sky, asking God the magician to fix all of the things. Rather, it's a process of opening ourselves up to the greatness of the universe, to the God that continues expanding and stretching and opening up. As we practice using the pieces of the Lord's Prayer to direct and guide us in our prayers, we find ways to improvise. We find new insights to be explored, new depths of connection and relationship. In our process of reorienting our life around the kingdom of God, where we see the ways in which God sets up her society, we find new ways to be with ourselves and with one another. This is like how jazz players find new runs, new trills, new expressions to explore as they practice the structure of a song with the same band. The more trust that is built, the greater audacity to try new things, mess up, and keep on improvising. As we practice being vulnerable in prayer with God and ourselves and our community, we can do the same. Keep trying, keep messing up, keep on improvising. Amen.